Before we start, I'd just like to share that for this particular episode, I was trying a new workflow, and ultimately my audio did not end up as intended. My guest sounds great, and the episode itself is fantastic. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. My handle is Jonathan Blade. Welcome to my podcast. So recently I sent out an open invitation for guests on the show. I actually have a few recording sessions this week, but one of those recording sessions is with a man I've known for 20 years. He's the brother of one of my nearest and dearest, and I probably met him, what, 20 years ago? That's about Jason right. Didner. <laughs> yeah. Jason Didner is a recording artist who has been recording for quite some time. Uh, I first heard his music in relation to doing children's music, but he also does uh, rock blues, rock music. Actually, just listen to your album, and it, it covers a wide gamut of what would be considered rock music, so I don't even know if I can categorize it, but uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to be on. Uh, uh, do I call you Jonathan? No, you can call me Tandy. Okay, uh, Tandy. Good to be on with you. Played is that it was my um my it was my internet name my internet pseudonym when I first jumped on the internet so I just went with it as a uh, as a handle for the podcast it's also my my Twitter handle so that's why but yes Very you cool. can call me Andy no problem with that so Jason how long have you been making music ah that my uh, journey began I would say when I was around nine or ten I'm fifty now so uh, yeah forty years or so. That was with Matthew and me watching uh, Greece constantly, and our parents <laughs> were kind enough to keep taking us to see it as much as we wanted to see it. Uh, we turned our couch into Grease Lightning, and uh, you know, did the whole dance <laughs> and everything. <laughs> That's and awesome. As soon as I could pick out those three chords of Grease Lightning on a piano, I was off to the races, <laughs> and I knew I wanted to make rock music. Nice. Uh at what age did you start recording? Wow. Uh, well, I remember being 11 and doing multi-track recordings with two tape decks. Um, you know, the kind of tape decks that you dictate into? Um, uh-huh. We had those in the house. And um, I had a trumpet. I was, I was learning trumpet. So it was a big deal for me to play both the first and second trumpet parts and harmonize with myself. So uh, that was, that was like my, my first taste of that. Like my bat on the ball across the right field fence And feeling the groove on my instrument And all that gives me pleasure slips my mind I later got uh in high school like at, toward the end of high school i got a uh four track recorder and really got into that 
And then, of course, when I was able to start recording with a computer, when I was in my uh, late 20s, you know, almost 30, uh, things kind of took off from there. That's awesome. Uh, a question I did have listening to your album is that, are you recording with a band there, or are you playing all the instruments? American Road, uh, that album I did in 2003, and that was very much uh, a combination of collaborations that I was doing, which was uh, internet collaborations. Um, uh-huh. uh, one song I collaborated with a, a friend in England and another in Oregon nice. on the one song. That was Will You Be My Brother? And then another. Which I really enjoyed. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And then another was with a friend who lives in uh, Tennessee uh, and Florida. Um, That was uh, Enemy of My Enemy. I turned the uh, lead guitar work over to him. He has... He himself, Scott Landers, has a fascinating story. Um, He has muscular dystrophy and required his father to put his guitar in his lap. And then he would just shred on it. Well, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Is he still able to play, do you know? I haven't seen new uh, releases of any sort from him. Not sure that he is able to, but I, I do know that he's maintained a presence online. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. How did you find your community? Um, That was through a lot of uh, music forums at the time. Uh, There was mp3.com was the site for independent musicians to to post their tracks. And it was a big deal that you could record something at home and upload it. And theoretically, the whole world could hear it in practice you know, you have to, you have to really hustle to get two or three people to even, you know, give it 10 seconds. It was the sound cloud of its time. <laughs> yeah, very much so. <laughs> so, uh, do you have any tracks up on SoundCloud? I do. I do. Um, SoundCloud is more my music notebook. Like I'll put stuff up when I'm like working through rough mixes and demos Mm-hmm. The stuff that I release formally, I put out through CD Baby, so it gets to iTunes and Spotify, nice. uh, you know, YouTube Music and all those outlets. I'm also starting to use Bandcamp for similar purposes. But uh, yeah, SoundCloud is more or less where I put things that I'm workshopping. The rest of the American Road album was pretty much an entirely solo effort with uh, all those drums that you're hearing were programmed. I lived in a tiny apartment. Uh, In fact, I'm going to make some news here on your podcast. I never actually played a drum kit until like two weeks ago. I watched a YouTube video (laughs) on how to play the drums. (laughs) That's my pandemic skill. (laughs) And uh, everybody's got one, right? <laughs> yeah. And, and there's an upcoming uh, single that I'm pretty far along into tracking. Uh, I'll be mixing it soon. Um, that single will be released with me playing every instrument, including the drum kit for the first time. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, that has to be a Herculean effort. Like, I know that that's something that people do do, but to play every part yourself and then mix it yourself has to be a huge amount of work. 
when you have a family and a full-time job and you're in a pandemic, it's really something you have to take in relatively small bites. So it's like, yeah, no, definitely. So it's like, definitely. Yeah. Like tonight we're going to get the base part done. (laughs) It's it's almost like playing chess in the mail. Now, are you still doing the, uh, what was it, the, the Jungle Jam? Are you still doing the kids' music? Yeah, the, the Jungle Gym Jam, uh, we largely had our uh, live gigs canceled uh, with the pandemic. There was one understandable. There was one gig that actually changed to being a, a virtual. Uh, you know, they actually had us videotape a performance in our own home studio and send it over. That was streamed live on YouTube, which uh, that was that was fun to do. Yeah. Are there recordings for that for for your uh, Jungle Gym Jam music? There are two full length albums. And nice. they're they're rock songs that are really they're suitable for the kids and the parents, which there is so much great music being done by independent artists that kids and parents can enjoy together. Um, it's kind of a genre of genres called kindy, like uh, kids and independent wish together. <laughs> uh-huh. And, you know, That's cute. the community is like full of like amazing people, amazing music. And uh, I, I would Definitely urge people to, you know, Google kindy music if they're raising little ones and they want to hear really good quality rock, pop, country, funk, soul, uh, rap, sometimes on one album for kids. I know a lot of people that are in that demographic, actually. I'll have to pass that along as a concept. When I'm going Uh, so moving away from the children as an adult, you said that your focus as a uh, as a songwriter is on uh, mental health and mental wellness. Why did you choose that as an avenue uh, from which to create your content? I got to credit my wife Amy with that. For her birthday that just came about a month ago, she chose for Facebook lets you choose like a fundraiser for your birthday, like a, a nonprofit. And mm-hmm. so she chose a nonprofit associated with mental health. It was the Mental Health Foundation. And I said to her, I said, hey, you know, I'm really happy that you want to, you know, put your birthday to a fundraiser would you like me to do a concert for that effort like a zoom concert she said yes and that really got the ball rolling because now we're speaking out publicly we're trying to break stigma we're trying to uh really support efforts to raise awareness about mental health especially now in this time of pandemic you have an epidemic of mental health colliding with a pandemic of covid19 Um, oh definitely yeah so that really kind of just shined the light on those circumstances and having Amy be like upfront and public about being passionate about mental health uh, really inspired me to do more. And so it led to this zoom concert 
And then we, a week later, chose to do another one for um, a foundation started by one of our state senators who was actually, he was acting governor some years back. This is uh, Dick Cody. Oh, wow. His wife, Mary Jo Cody, very publicly went through postpartum depression, and he was very publicly supportive about it, and they started a foundation that we did a benefit for. So uh, the governor actually joined our Zoom concert and spoke about the foundation uh, during the concert in between songs. That is excellent. Yeah. That is excellent. So you've been writing music that is focused towards mental health or just that is the focus of sharing your output? It's actually caused me the the fact that we were doing these concerts caused me to look back at the music of American Road from 2003 and in it there was a pretty strong undercurrent of messages that I feel resonate now oh I agree a hundred percent yeah I mean back in 2003 where were we 9-11 happened we all came together Mm -hmm. as a country and then the suspicion started to grow and we were ginning up for war in Iraq, which uh, we were split about. So that environment, yeah. You know, when I hear those songs now, they have new context. And there's that mental health undercurrent, too, to songs like uh, I Need a Day in My Cave. And, uh, yep. uh, you know, there there is the idea of, uh, okay, well, let's seek companionship. And there's instant love, just add water, but it doesn't really work like that. Um, and one song in particular, My Gentle Warrior, which I wrote for Amy back in, in, in around that yeah, time. Yeah, I was struck by that one. Yeah, thanks. I, I feel like there's more than just that. Uh, as far as songs on the album that are tributes to your wife, uh, I feel like that's kind of a through line, yeah, uh, as well. That's true. To take perfect care, a living example, a lifelong preparing to go into battle prepared. Our story has been a story of trying to uh, create and maintain mental health against some really strong headwinds. Amy had type 1 diabetes diagnosed at age 8 and lived with it and the progressive complications of it for a very long time until things came to a head and she required a kidney transplant in 2015. I turned out to be a match, so I was her kidney donor. Receiving a kidney transplant meant receiving a whole slate of new medications, which would have who knows what side effects. And it also meant a change in her body chemistry, which meant it would do who knows what to her existing, uh, the medicines she was already taking to manage the complications of the diabetes. So given all that, Looking back, it's not that much of a surprise that uh, yeah, she went through uh, a pretty severe depressive crisis and uh, it required some pretty intensive uh, work on trying to find medications that would control that. And then three years after that, miracle of miracles, Amy gets a pancreas transplant from a deceased donor, which get this stopped her diabetes after 46 years. 
Like she doesn't does not have diabetes now and won't have it until the pancreas runs its course, which is 10, 20 years. That is amazing. It is. It's what I call a complicated miracle because it also meant that once again her body chemistry was changing, and once again we were going through crisis to get the the meds right to handle the depression and the anxiety. So, yeah, fortunately, Didners are famously patient. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. We were. We also had to be about the adoption process, which took five years. So, how does how does that process? The process of going through, I won't say it's, it's, they're like the trials of Job, but they kind of are. Mm. Uh, how does that influence your creation, uh, your process of creation as an artist? Sure. Um, well, it certainly, uh, as I look back and then look back again and have the, the benefit of time, uh, I'm able to learn and be influenced not only from the the day-to-day the -day that we live with, but also what I've created in the past. An example of that actually is uh, with a, My Gentle Warrior. Um, my thinking at the time was that Amy was this warrior battling diabetes and preparing patiently each night and each day for the next day's battle with diabetes, you know, laying out her supplies and everything. However from years of uh, like couples therapy, what we came to learn is you, maybe not every condition is meant to be viewed as a battle. Like for instance, the depression, like battling depression, fighting depression, that mindset of fighting is in itself exhausting. Uh, in itself, it feeds into the depression and, and the other negative emotions that, that it gives rise to. So we were taught to instead coexist with the depression and get on with our lives with the depression there and take breaks from the depression uh, more so than fight against it. So kind of organically let it run its course like the flu. Uh, well, kind of like ask it to leave the room for a moment and yeah, maybe sort of, you know, cope with it more so than fight against it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, the, the, you know, our American mindset is, is geared towards fighting for and against everything. So yeah, it's, that's a battle in itself to rethink how you approach those things. The war to end all wars. <laughs> yeah. So, which is every war. Yeah. Everything's a battle. Right. The left side's misdirected and the right side's out of touch. The green light only seems to shine on those who have too much. The highway that I travel ain't exactly paid to go. I love and take this bumpy ride that we call American Road. We stop and go. American so my most recent reflection back on my gentle warrior and our years of therapy and everything that we've experienced is I thought this was a battle. 
And so that became a new song simply titled Battle, where the mantra that I keep coming back to is, I thought this was a battle, but I'm learning it's something else. It's actually not a battle. It's a humanitarian mission for myself, for my loved ones. So as far as that more recent content, you said that uh, your albums can be accessed through any of the regular streaming avenues? Yeah. So is that is that a published song? The the new one, Battle, there is exactly one way to hear Battle at the moment. And that is to go to my website and sign up for my exclusive content and emails. You do that, gotcha. you'll get an unpublished link to a YouTube video of me recording it in my home studio. Soon it'll be, uh, it, it'll be a single. I'm actually doing a collaboration with a drummer in Michigan on that one. Uh, he, uh, you are fully online, huh? <laughs> I suppose so. I guess that's the way of the world right now. Yeah. I, I, my understanding at the beginning was it was very difficult to record stuff online because of um, inherent latency or whatever, but I guess that people have worked around that. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a matter of uploading tracks and then the the person at the other end downloads it, adds their part, sends it back. So it is playing chess oh, yeah, by that, mail. That would make more sense. <laughs> <laughs> that would make more sense. Yeah. I know it's hard. It's hard for all the artists out there, but hopefully it provides just, a, you know, a touch of inspiration so that uh, when things come back to full swing, everybody's got like a, a whole lot of stuff in the uh, in the a whole lot of gas in the tank. Yeah, I mean, it, it is fueling a lot of uh, creativity, uh, this pandemic. If you look at what my brother is doing, he's making these Yiddish lesson classes for the, the National Yiddish Theater. Um, which are awesome. Yeah, he plays six characters, uh, and uh, you know he has all these different camera cuts from one character to another, to another, to another, where he's uh, in different locations in the house to make them look like different geographic locations. He's in different costumes. That's the energy. That's the spirit that that creatives are putting in right now. Yeah, I, I really, I really dig that. But you know, you, Matt has has that kind of creativity just there anyway. So I'm glad that he's, he's got an opportunity to express it directly. Mm -hmm. Has he been on state? Like I, I know that he does back end stuff in, in addition to the directing, but he, has he been on stage for the theater? Only as a very, very in case of emergency break glass understudy. <laughs> One night he ended up acting in Fiddler and was about to break into song when everybody's cell phones started having those, uh, like an Amber alert. <laughs> so, um, I asked him if that alert was at least giving him the correct pitch. <laughs> <laughs> I think he said oh, it didn't great. help very much. That's why they ask you to turn off your phones, people. <laughs> yep. But, but I think the, those so, alerts even like uh, supersede the, the vibrate, don't they? Yeah, that's why you, for the Amber Alerts, yeah. because of that, probably need to turn off your phone. I know that's not practical for everybody, yeah. but for live performances, that should be a, a thing going forward, I think. Sure, so here's your public so, service announcement, folks. Uh, when we get out of this pandemic, when you're back in the theater, your phone goes off. Yeah, <laughs> everybody can't do this, of course, but I, when when Chappelle was coming back, he made people give up their phones mm -hmm. at the door. Ah, I've heard of that. Yeah, that could be a little sticky wicked itself, yeah. but uh, like if you have enough cachet, that's definitely the way to go. I think so. 
people can't help but be obnoxious. And also, you don't want people surreptitiously recording your your uh, paid performance. And see each other for what we are within, my brother. Even if love don't conquer the world, even if love don't conquer the world, even if love don't conquer the world, even if love don't conquer the world. So, but anyway, what? what does the future hold for you uh, and your music, do you think? And also, as far as collaboration goes, do you think that you will play with a, a band at some point? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the immediate future is that every Saturday night through the pandemic, I will give a concert at 8 o'clock Eastern. Um, that's on my website, jasondidner.com. So... I'm trying to bring people together, form a sense of community, uh, give people what they miss about going out. Uh, it's in Zoom, so people get to see each other during the community, just like if we we're uh, during the performance, just like if we were all in the room together. And then after the show, I invite everybody backstage for a few minutes so that we can all socialize a bit. It's beautiful. And and. Uh, so you are you using the, uh, the the paid Zoom, the open-ended session, so you yeah. can go longer than 40 minutes? Or... Yeah, I'll, although and... I find the sweet spot for, for a Zoom concert, a, a solo acoustic Zoom concert, is 30 minutes. Yeah, I mean, you're probably absolutely correct. I have not attended anything like that at this point. I have some friends who do a live podcast every Sunday mm-hmm. night, and they try to hit... 30 minutes and sometimes go over, but it is, yeah, it seems to be the sweet spot. Yeah. Uh, So every week we try to benefit a different uh, nonprofit. I'm trying to do that through the pandemic, you know, as a way of, you know, kind of enhancing that, that sense of community and we're all in this together. And every now and then I'll just make a show free and say, Hey, this is audience appreciation night. That's awesome. Because um, we, we can't hammer everybody's wallet every week during a pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> How do you go about uh, choosing your organizations um, as far as? Well, any organization associated with mental health is, is a natural and it's a great fit for the content that I'm creating. But there are other ones like, actually, if, if someone is sending us a, a letter for donations in the mail and, and it's compelling... We'll, we'll support them. Like, for instance, our local uh, ambulance unit sent us a, a letter and we chose to get behind them. On New Year's Eve at 7 o'clock Eastern, we're doing a concert actually for the very same hospital, the very same transplant center that did our kidney transplant and then Amy's pancreas transplant. That's beautiful. They, it's actually in response to a letter that the surgeon who who did the transplant on Amy, that surgeon wrote us a letter asking for just an ordinary donation. And we said, I said, hey, you know, we should really do something special. And they're all in. That's awesome. So That is awesome. So, yeah, any kind of personal experience like that would influence who we would choose as, as a beneficiary. In, in another case, this... Saturday, we're doing like a holiday de-stressor con- concert. An idea for a holiday concert uh-huh. came from one of our, you know, our like lo- very loyal audience members uh, who I'm old friends with. And St. Jude's, we're benefiting St. Jude Children's Resource Ho- Hospital 
That's an organization that the Jungle Gym Jam has supported before. It's an organization near and dear to my mom's heart. So uh, uh, I uh, figured we would get them in the rotation. I mean, anything that helps children as it's uh, called. Yeah. How do you get the word out about your art? Like, you you evidently have connections because you've been music, doing music for quite some time. Uh, how do people find out about you? How do people know about you? Very gradually. Um, one one thing is that uh, you you know this as a performer, I think, is you know, just do a competent job no matter how small the audience is. And don't punish the audience that's there for the ones who didn't show up. Yes, that is one of the great. That's one of the greatest lessons that uh, comedians have to learn early on: is don't mm-hmm. punish the audience <laughs> for anything. Don't punish the audience because you're having a bad day. Don't punish the audience because you're having a bad set. Right. <laughs> and don't punish a small but mighty, a potentially mighty audience. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, if if you take care of your audience, you know, you you give them what they came for. You know, they they will bring people with them. And, uh, you know, kind of you, you establish a reputation as, as delivering something that they didn't know they needed. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing right now in this pandemic, because, man, people are they're hurting. Yeah. They're still people are used to living in the, under these circumstances, but not in a positive way. They just, you know, a lot of people have just accepted this is our lives. So they need that. Mm-hmm. They definitely need that. Yeah, and and I think if you're able to approach the concerts from giving more than you're asking for, like, I I guess it's sort of check your ego at the door. It's not not just like I I want to go do this concert because because I need applause. It's more so that you know, or I need money or whatever it is. It's it's more so that uh, you know I recognize there's a need. The pandemic has alienated us. It has starved us for. Uh, enter- live entertainment and let's see how we can deliver that let's how we can let, let's see how we can uh, make people whole with what we're doing and yeah, then, and then... star for anything that just represents connection mm-hmm. and in getting people to to attend in the first place to take that chance on it in the first place i think it's about communicating that in uh, i mean the, the Social media is full of people saying, hey, check out my track, check out my show, press play, sign up for this, uh, donate to my Patreon, that. and Especially now. Yeah. <laughs> and it's done without taking the steps that have to occur before you even get close to that. One thing that I've been doing is I've been making memes out of uh, parts of my lyrics, hopeful, hoping that uh, you, you know the, the lyric itself will strike people as interesting. Yeah, all it takes is for one to go viral. Mm-hmm. And, you know, viral can mean a lot of things, but uh, yeah, just to gain any amount of traction and uh, you, you've got something there. And that's actually a great way to uh, promote as a small creator in the modern environment. It's very smart, very smart tactic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if, if you get one new person to sign up for, you know, for your emails, um, you know, bring them into your inner circle you've done something and and i think that to to have some gratitude for that yeah if you if you're thinking that you're going to just go you know be the next viral sensation then you might not appreciate that one person but 
when you're trying to connect with people with, with what you're creating, that one person uh, is really significant. Especially if they found it, if they're connecting with you because they found a true appreciation for your yeah. art. That's uh, significant on both ends. It's a, uh, it's a transaction, even if it's not directly monetary, it's a transaction. And uh, it's one that I appreciate the, the, the random times that somebody will drop a line to me or say to me that, yeah, I really like your content. Yeah, <laughs> it's what I need in these times. Yeah, yeah I mean, I, I definitely do feed off of uh, having people identify with what I'm doing or, you know, find that it helps them through a hard time. Yeah. And then music in itself is very medicinal mm -hmm. it, or very therapeutic and it helps people. So the transaction definitely cuts both ways, but yeah. I appreciate what you do. Oh, thank you very much. And I appreciate you coming on the show. Is there anything else that you would like to say about the beautiful music that you <laughs> Well, thank you for saying so. Um, uh, well, um, it's there for whoever wants it and needs it now. And delighted to have it play some role in helping in your life, whether it's a, a message that helps you uh, carry on your most positive, your, your po most positive elements of your mental health. If my songs help you create and maintain mental health in your life, I'm delighted. And uh, if my songs give you a laugh, um, like uh, in You Can't Get There From Here in Jersey, if you've ever attempted to drive in Jersey especially from out of town. Um, I think uh, you might have fun with that one. Cubicle, I just released that a little while ago as a single on all streaming platforms, although it was recorded in 1995. I, it had never been released commercially until now. So have at it. Enjoy that if you're frustrated with working in an office. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one was fun. I think uh, we can all relate to that, even past the office you, you know you think 20 years later after the office space yeah. era and the acknowledgement that that, that working in, in an environment like that is is soul crushing <laughs> that that environment would change but no no it still exists right and and now you have the weirdness of that environment virtualized so that you can work from home and uh, try to balance all all of that experience with uh, whatever is going on uh, at home so that uh, that that poisonous work culture can infect every avenue of your life there you go uh. with that said uh like i said i appreciate tremendously you coming on the podcast before we get out of here beyond jasondidner.com is there any other avenue that you'd like to promote or resource that you would like to promote Sure. If if there's a kid in your life, or you're just curious about the uh, about how my music might appeal to the big kid in you, check out junglegymjam.com. That's junglegymjam.com. What I'll leave uh, our audience with is, uh, I hope I get to uh, see some of your faces on Zoom uh, for New Year's Eve when we support uh, the Hackensack. Medical Center, Hackensack University Medical Center transplant team. Lovely. And, and will that be posted, the link posted on uh, jasondidner.com? Yep, it's, it's already there. Um, donations for just about all our shows are never required for admission. They're optional and appreciated. 
and much appreciated. <laughs> Beautiful. So this man's out there making art for a good cause, uh, and this is the season of giving. So if you're able, definitely support the good cause. Uh, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show, Jason. If you want to chat about this episode or chat with me about any of my other episodes or anything, you can catch me on Twitter at janky old broke hobo Spider-Man at Jonathan Blade. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Tony. With robots, just wired to say yes. They're strung out on your headlines as you fall for your own press.